It's tragic, really. Shirley, are you here? We all have a story. We are contacting 911 for you. A dark secret wrapped in emptiness and regret. Quite frankly, I'm glad I did it. You know. They took her life. They just can't prove it. The Toll. We've gathered some follow-up interviews and extras that just either didn't exist as we put together season one or other avenues that didn't make it into the final piece. Please share our story. Here's an additional look at The Toll. In January 2020, I received a message from a man who said he was related to Jim Sullivan, Snake Man, who was featured in episode five of The Toll, The Path Back Home. Now, this man says his family has always been tight-lipped about Jim and the circumstances that surrounded his death. Then he found the toll. Now, this man said he was willing to tell me stories about what he remembered about Jim, although he was a kid when Jim was murdered. In exchange, he asked me if I could dig up more information about the man many knew as Snake Man. He was so curious and now intrigued after listening to the toll. So I made a couple of trips to the library and pulled some old newspaper articles. Nothing he couldn't have done himself, but he told me it just wasn't his thing and he would never do it on his own. He asked if I would not use his name or relationship to Jim, and I agreed. He is a direct relative, though. Now, this is a follow-up to The Toll Season 1, The Path Back Home. If you haven't listened to the first season, go do that first. Okay, so he goes first. I do want to start from the beginning. Like, how old were you when this person in your family was murdered? And and what did that look like through the eyes of a kid? You know, I was, uh, I believe it was third grade, probably eight, nine. And I remember my mom coming to pick me up from school. She was crying and I knew something bad was wrong. And that really is the only thing that I remember until, you know, we went out to the property, went out to Jim's farm. And I remember they were going through stuff, trying to pack things up, sort things out which, you know, Jim had a lot of stuff. And I remember, you know, aunts and uncles being out there. Do you remember conversations after that, um, maybe within the family or sneaking up on a conversation and hearing things? Yeah, there was talk about, you know, what happened. And of course, there's when you've got the family that tries to hide everything, you know, not tell you the truth because it might scare a little kid or something. <laughs> you hear different things. You know, I always knew it was about drugs. But of course, you know, you hear from the family that, you know, he wasn't doing that stuff. It was just some bad people. As years go by, you hear a little bit more and more. He owed people a lot of money, and they came to collect. Today, that's what I think happened, just from what I had gathered for over the years. That he had a run-in with a drug dealer. Yeah, he had a run-in, and I knew he was involved somehow. I didn't know if he was using or if he was dealing. I didn't even know what kind of drugs it was. Assumed it was marijuana, you know, from the bits and pieces that I would hear. And he had the big farm out there, you know, he had a place to do it. He had a run-in. He owed somebody a lot of money. And uh, he buried it and refused to give it up, so they shot him. We'll get back to that. What's your recollection of Jim? He was a big guy, really big, had a huge beard. I wasn't around him a whole lot, but he was fun to be around. He got to the farm, he'd do stuff. He had the pumpkins, of course, and they were huge. They were bigger than me. You do remember the pumpkins. (laughs) They were huge, and lots of them. You know, I remember going to his house as well, aquariums all over the place, you know, with snakes, exotic fish. As a little kid, it looked like walking into a pet store. So this would have been the house on Peachtree? Yes. So you remember all of that? Bits and pieces of that. So yeah. when you take the idea of all the fun stuff he had on his property, the big pumpkins and the snakes, what does that look like through the eyes of a child? How did you assess him? Oh, it was crazy. It was fun. Couldn't wait to go see Jim next time. It was always fun. There's always something to see. Tractors and, and snowmobiles out there and big did, playground. Did you ever see the alligator? I never did. Never did see the alligator. I did hear about the alligator. 
what I remember hearing, it was kept in the garage. And after he died, it escaped and got into the backyard. I think some people from the zoo actually came and caught it. It was eight foot long. It wasn't a baby. <laughs> That's an alligator. <laughs> from what I read, it was a full on alligator. Yeah. I remember a pit bull in the front yard. It was a fenced yard. You didn't walk in without letting him know you were there because that was his dog and it protected him. Being an adult now and looking back, even even without all the stories, could you have pieced some of this together, that he was probably a drug dealer? Yeah, looking back now. You say the family didn't at least admit to it. Do you really think they didn't know that much? Probably some did, some didn't. I don't know. It's hard I to don't. assess that when they don't talk about it. Yeah, when nobody wants to talk about it for years, you know, and they still don't. What's that like? Have you ever brought it up? No, I never brought it up because I know I'll never get anything out of it. Why are you so curious? Well, after hearing a podcast, you know, The Toll... I kind of really sparked some interest in it. thought if nobody else is going to tell me, why not uh, go chase Nancy down? <laughs> See if I can learn something from her. You find that a lot, that families, they don't want to talk about no. stuff. Now it's harder with social media. Like everybody puts stuff on social media and it's going to be a, a different landscape as far as stories go in the future. But yeah, these old ones, they can just bury them and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Oh, I want to go back to the property because I got a tip from a woman who said that some of her family members had bought the land that Jim and Cheryl were murdered on and that there were big holes that appeared to have been dug and that she always heard a rumor that there was drug money buried out there. Talk to me about what you've heard through the family. What I had heard was there was um, the amount. It was 100000 I have no idea if that's anywhere close. But there was uh, one family member that knew and only one, and I don't know how in the world that person would have known. Another family member had talked that one into letting him know where it was at, and he went and found it. You believe that or you know that? Pretty sure I know that. Really? So you really think that all those holes were digging for? I think, well, I didn't know that there was a bunch of holes. What I remember was there was one guy that knew it, and he knew exactly where it was at, and he went and dug it up. Okay. Because Jim grew sweet potatoes. Yes. Which would have grown in the ground. Yes, I do which remember sweet potatoes. Up. It was something his mom in the paper was very proud of. It was something that she actually zoned mm -hmm. in on. So... After Jim died, do you care talking about stuff that you got from the property? No. Oh, that's fine. Well, the biggest thing was a snowmobile, and it was fantastic, especially for kids, you know, because who in Missouri has got a snowmobile? He had a lot of stuff like that, as I understand, on the property. Do you remember stuff like that? Trucks, tractors, you know, some farm equipment, things like that. One thing, aquariums. Lots and lots of aquariums. It was an unreal amount of aquariums. Do you remember Cheryl? They'd been together for seven years. kind of remember what she looked like, but that was it. I don't even really remember talking to her. Any other family stories talked about? People saying he didn't cross him. That's how everybody else knew him, I think, outside the family. To me, he was Jim. He was awesome. Loved everybody. You know, took care of people. But yeah, that, you didn't want to mess with him. Don't mess around with Jim. No, don't mess with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> now it's my turn. Again, things I've just pulled from local newspaper articles. To clarify here, Jim Sullivan's mom's name is Shirley, no relation to Shirley Jane Rose or the little girl's grandma, just a popular name back then. So his mom, Shirley, in the paper says that his body was wrapped in a blanket and then maybe he was shot in his sleep. But when you go back to what the sheriff said initially, that they were both laying face up on their backs, I don't know that she has that right. Um, he was found in a large metal storage building. His mom says they were converting into an apartment. Jim's mom told the paper Cheryl's body was found in an empty stall in one of the barns. So she had two show horses and there was stall, stall, and then she was in the last stall. I, I do remember her being a horse person. Um, huge pumpkin and sweet potatoes. 
And I only found out from this, about the sweet potatoes because they interviewed Shirley, the mom. So he began raising and selling sweet potatoes, she said. Last year, he raised, I don't know how many hundreds of bushels. I helped him, and he had other people working out there. He worked so hard in that field. Here's what I can't piece together. Like, he's growing these pumpkins because he wants to show them. He's growing sweet potatoes by the bushels for money? Like, he has plenty of money as a front? It's got to be for a front. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about the pumpkins. I think he was interested in that stuff, and that's, you know, you're going to have a front. Make it something you like. I guess. Sullivan had an extraordinarily long beard. He once won first place at Best Beard Contest (laughs) as part of Springfield's sesquicentennial celebrations in 1979. I don't think I knew that one. Huh. And when you look at pictures of his beard, he has very big beard. Big, full. He could grow a beard. I mean, that was part of, you know, seeing him big. So here's what I'm kind of really curious. Okay, 725 South Petrie, and that's where he lived in Springfield. And that was mm-hmm. his house. And then he sounds like he was building the apartment or whatever out in Billings. And that's where he would keep his drugs and all of the contents. By the way, you had talked about you thought maybe he was just into marijuana. And that is clearly not right <laughs> on any <laughs> level what the sheriff was talking about. He was into pretty big, yeah. heavy stuff. 11 Burmese and African rock pythons were found in there. And then the zoo actually kept the alligator. I remember hearing the alligator ended up dying at the zoo. From what I understand, it had never seen sunlight. Yeah, but wow, mm-hmm. because it was kept in the garage, right? Mm-hmm. There was, oh, this part. He was one of two men indicted on federal drug charges in 1977. That's what I was going to tell you about. And they found a million dollars worth of marijuana in a bar near Republic. And so that could have been their pot relation in your head. Like I, I bet that's right. Um, was dropped, didn't, didn't hold up, legal irregularities, search, all that stuff. Um, but yeah. down there, down here's where I got the, she said the body was wrapped in a blanket in an area where he was constructing an apartment inside a large metal storage building. It appeared he may have been in bed at the time of the attack. I don't know. I don't know, because listening to, the, to the, your podcast, The Toll, Somebody said he was shot from afar. No, he wouldn't say which one. Right. He wouldn't say which one. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that this, I'm just guessing. I would think if I was going in to get somebody, Jim's big, strong guy, you would probably want to not physically mess with him. He'd be your first target. I would think so. He would be the first target, and then Cheryl would be you know, an easier target right? physically. To where you could get her out to the stall, because she probably just wasn't in stall three, just standing there. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't make sense. And, and when the sheriff told that story, thinking back, I, I was like... It was clearly like a an ambush, but one of them seemed almost sniperish, like it was from afar. Right. I think right. that's what he said. And then finding him inside the building, you know, makes you think maybe he was moved or. And I just don't see. I mean, they weren't going to go to the trouble of anything else. Why wrap him in a blanket? Right. They simply wanted him dead. Right. I just tend not to think that's true. Let me interject here. Some of the printed newspaper articles have tiny, tiny print. And I have this huge square plastic magnifying glass I pulled from my bag. It's big, and it has an obnoxious handle. So that's what we're laughing about here. (laughs) My daughter goes, I was holding it like this, and went on the couch, she's like, you should see yourself. You look ridiculous. I'm like, well, I can't read this. I'm 44, she's 28, two suffered multiple gunshot wounds, found Thursday morning, separate barns. Christian County Sheriff Dwight McNeil said officers confiscated a large quantity of drugs, drug paraphernalia, and chemicals used in processing drugs. Law officers confiscated a considerable amount of money on and near two bullet-ridden bodies, which were found by a construction worker at 8.45 in the morning Thursday 
he referred to the crime as purely an assassination. We found quite a bit of currency and money both on them and around them. Robbery plainly was not the motive. McNeil would not spe specify the amount of money found, but he said the bills were of several denominations. He also would not specify the amount of drugs and chemicals found at the site. We're not talking about a, just a coffee can full. Can you read this okay? Mm -hmm. Am I helping you? I'm following along with you. I can mm. see as far as him being shot, I think the best I remember is they were knelt down, made to kneel down, and then they were shot in the back. That's the picture that I was that I've had in my head. I don't know why I've had that, but I don't know if I got that from somebody or if I just made it up myself. And since it's unsolved, he wouldn't get too specific with me. The way he told it was one was shot from a distance and then the other one was shot at close range. But if they're both I mean, you would think naturally if you're knelt down and you're shot in the back of the head, fall forward. And he clearly said they were both facing up. And if they were it said they were riddled with bullets. Right. Yes, they weren't shot so they, just once. No, they unloaded on them, facing them. They were mad. They didn't want their money back. They just wanted revenge. Yeah, and that doesn't add up to the stories that I heard either with all the money laying around. What I remember hearing was, you know, Jim had the money. These people came looking for the money, you know, as if he owed them. And he refused to give it up, so they shot him. But it doesn't make sense with all the money that was, you know, after reading through this. There was just money on them. There was money laying all over the place, it sounds like, on the bodies, on them, around them. I think I was told the wrong story. It was in the papers. It was in the news. Mm -hmm. This stuff would have been almost common knowledge. Yeah. So it's funny how those stories develop and morph and change. But I think emotions play a part in it. And if you make up a story and lie about it long enough, you'll start believing it, maybe. You do believe it. Yeah. So that's what I think. The stories that I heard were fabricated. Not hurt feelings. Yeah. Or scare a kid. So four months after the release of The Toll Season 1, The Path Back Home, a man named Desmond from the UK emailed me. He writes, I'm listening to your podcast. It's excellent, but there's something that doesn't sit right. Now, it's concerning the Snake Man episode where drug dealer Jim Sullivan gave Shirley Jane's mom what she called the only explanation into her daughter's death that made sense at the time. Now, it's the part where pot had been dried in a clothes dryer, ruining the pot, her throwing a party with the bad weed and embarrassing her supplier, which we now know that supplier was Steve Fletcher. Desmond talks about drying rooms and airing cupboards, calling the theory of ruined pot a deliberate rumor that misled investigators. He calls this part a glaring red flag overlooked or dismissed by investigators. Desmond says the pot wouldn't have been ruined. And he sends me a link to a story about decarb Voxelization? Yeah, I don't know. I do some research on drying temperatures and the heat for clothes dryers, and I just honestly have no idea about this stuff. So uh, I reached out to some marijuana organizations to speak to me about some of the processes they use, and nothing. Producer Jay also reached out to some pretty well-known groups, and nothing. I don't know if they just didn't want their name associated with a story like this. Um, I have no idea. Well, Jay says it could be that pot in 1970 is way different than what's cultivated now, and trying to compare processes or assess them might be a sticking point. Jay did reach out to someone who professionally cultivated pot for seven years from Colorado, and he said high heat would ruin pot. So I don't know. Let's move on from that, though, because Desmond, he got me thinking. Yeah, this conversation made me really stop and think about Jim Sullivan, Snake Man's role in all of this. Why would a big-time drug dealer in the Ozarks interject himself on any level into a little girl's murder? Why would a big-time drug dealer and manufacturer who has ties to a man arrested 
Initially, for the little girl's murder, Steve Fletcher, reach out to a mother of five and offer her a possible reason for her daughter's abduction and murder. You would think he'd want to stay as far away from that situation as possible. It just doesn't make much sense. Jim Sullivan sounds like a man who was larger than life. It sounds like he loved and cared for his family and was also a well-known, high-profile drug dealer. But the couple was murdered, and it remains unsolved. If you know anything about the killings, please call Crime Stoppers or the Christian County Sheriff's Office in Ozark, Missouri. The family member has provided me some interesting photos of Jim and some of his belongings. You can find those at thetollpodcast.com. The Toll Podcast, Season 1, The Path Back Home, is a production of The Toll LLC. Thanks for listening. We hope you share The Toll. Also, leaving us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes can go a long way in helping us do more episodes and seasons. Thank you for your support. Keep up with The Toll Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and visit our website, thetollpodcast.com. If you have any information that could help solve the murder of nine-year-old Shirley Jane Rose, please call Crime Stoppers at 417-864-TIPS. You can remain anonymous.